You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, free on all platforms. My name is Luke Braun. I'm your host, your pal, and the kid you copied off in math class. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. Shows on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. And today, of course, we got to talk about the uh, heart-shattering, heart-rending 34-33 game the Vikings lost in Arizona. Second road loss in a row. Second loss by a field goal or less. Second loss that came absolutely down to one kick at the very end of the game. Uh, we can't keep doing this. My heart will explode. <laughs> It was a really frustrating game. Obviously, 34 points. That's not ideal from the defense. Greg Joseph missed an extra point and the game winning field goal and the Vikings lost by one point. The Vikings have lost a few games by one point in the last couple of years, which is extremely frustrating considering they were one game out of the playoffs last year and they lost two games by one point. And it seems like even if the Vikings turn it around, it's hard to imagine a world where they're not where, where this one doesn't come back to haunt them. Uh, we can talk and we will talk about a lot of the the factors in this the the end game management the defense itself um but I want to start out at the start of the game where the Vikings came in second play from scrimmage was a 64 yard touchdown to KJ Osborne his first touchdown as an NFL professional which is really really exciting looked like a co- a busted coverage on the Cardinals Kirk finds it hits KJ Osborne in stride down the sideline and then Osborne speeds his way into the end zone might not have got in but after review the call stood because they didn't have like that perfect goal line angle very similar to the Justin Jefferson thing from um from last week so touchdown counts Vikings go up 7 to nothing and then the Vikings and Cardinals kind of trade touchdowns back and forth for a little while. Um, but on the third touchdown, the Vikings score, Greg Ch- Joseph misses the extra point. So that factor of the, you know, the, the both offenses basically dominating the defenses in the first half. The first half ended 23 to 24, and then things calmed down in the second half. Both teams score 10 points. But that first half was electric and offenses going everywhere, every which way. Um being able to uh, move the ball kind of at will. Um, And so defensively, and I'll talk about the defense next. So let's focus on the offense here. Uh, Defensively, obviously not ideal. There's a lot of stuff I want to say there, but the, uh, the offense was really good. And I am doing uh, game recaps over at zone coverage, which you can find at zonecoverage.com. You can find uh, my recap of this one. And in those, and also on Twitter, uh, I'm doing the Cousins Chaos Meter, which is uh, somewhat of a joking thing, measuring how chaotic Kirk Cousins' performance was. If you're watching on YouTube, it'll be up on the screen right now. Uh, And in this one, I am putting Kirk Cousins in the perfect green. This is peak Cousins. Cousins was optimal Cousins. I don't think you can ask for anything more from a quarterback than what Kirk Cousins did. He broke the pocket. He scrambled. He made plays that weren't there. He he scramb- just ran for yards. He outrushed Kyler Murray, which is insane. Um, he was accurate. He was, I think, appropriately aggressive. I know a lot of people really get mad about checkdowns. I don't think, I don't know. You, you have to kind of watch the tape and see if there was anything open downfield that he missed. You obviously can't see that on the TV. So I reserve the right, as always with the Monday show, I reserve the right to take this back if I see something else on tape. But from what I saw in the game, it seemed like Kirk Cousins was more or less making the right decisions and throwing the ball where it needed to be. 
few incompletes here and there, a few nitpicks you could make. And I might make those nitpicks because they're fun to talk about. You know, should he may maybe have read this differently pre-snap or whatever. Um, but don't let that take away from the headline that Kirk Cousins was phenomenal in this game. This is one of the best Kirk Cousins games we've gotten from him as a Viking. And it's a huge shame that thanks to kicking woes, we don't get a, a W out of it. So Kirk was awesome. And I also want to shout out the offensive line, which was awesome. Um, the, the line really dominated Car uh, Arizona, Carolina, Arizona at the beginning of this game. Oh, oh, from the first half, they were punching huge holes for Dalvin Cook to run through. Kirk Cousins was protected very well. It was a phenomenal first half for the offensive line. The second half wasn't terrible, wasn't great. It was just okay. Um, so it was overall a good game for the offensive line. A great game for Kirk Cousins. Great game for Dalvin Cook. Goes over, I think, 130 on the game. Um, Cousins only has like 244 passing and three touchdowns. Um, and a lot of that 244 came on the big, long blown coverage play. So that that yardage total feels a little bit underwhelming considering how good it felt like Kirk Cousins played. But a lot of that is just because they didn't need him to pass. There were a couple of drives that were just like Dalvin Cook run after run after run after run touchdown. Um, and all the touchdowns were scored by Kirk Cousins and Nick Vigil on a pick six in the second half uh, on the first drive of the second half. Um, again, we'll talk a little bit more about the defense, but I just thought offensively the Vikings did, and I'm going to take a little bit of a victory lap here. The Vikings did exactly what I wanted the Vikings to do. I wanted them to condense the field and run down the throat of this speedy Carolina or Carolina speedy Cardinals defense. Um, the, the, the Cardinals, I mean, Isaiah Simmons and Buda Baker and, and Zavin Collins and all these, um, speedier players, have so much range that if you try to beat them with spacing, they all just cover too big of a spot and they can kind of blanket the field. Put them all in the middle of the field and have them push. And the Vikings could push them out of the way and run on them. And I think that was a huge reason the Vikings were able to kind of keep up blow for blow with the unbelievable things that Kyler Murray was doing. So I want to talk a lot about the defense. I want to talk a lot about the end of the game there, and we'll get to that. But first, Vikings fans, I want to talk to you about Get Upside. It is an app that lets you make up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time you fill up. It is, uh, you can download the app for free in the App Store or Google Play right now, and you can use promo code TOUCHDOWN and get a, a bonus of 25 cents per gallon on your first fill up. That's 50 cents cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore, especially with gas prices getting so high. Get cash back using Get Upside. Just download the app for free, use the promo code TOUCHDOWN to get up to 50 cents a gallon cash back on your first tank. If you drive a lot, you can make up to like two, 300 bucks a month in cash back. And there's no catch. The cash back gets added right to your account. You can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use promo code TOUCHDOWN to get 50 cents a gallon back on your first tank. That's code TOUCHDOWN on the GetUpside app free on the App Store or Google Play. So let me talk to you about the defense because obviously, okay, 34 points, bad result, right? We get that. Um, and I put out a tweet and it's a tweet that I'm going to defend. I'm going to spend a lot of time defending this take. I thought Mike Zimmer called an awesome game. And I know that you might have just, just thrown your headphones off. You might want to shut down the podcast, but bear with me here because I know it's a hot take, but I can defend it. Um, I thought Mike Zimmer called a very, very smart game against what Cliff Kingsbury usually does. Kingsbury is an option coach and Kyler Murray runs the option. And we talked a ton this week about how to defend the option. Everybody has to be really responsible and be where they are. When when the Cardinals tried post-snap read tight plays, which is the bread and butter, it is the backbone of their offense, those were shut down. 
The Cardinals could not get any free gimmies in this game, and I think that is wildly impressive. I think that is awesome that Mike Zimmer and his defense managed to do that. Now, how did they score any points anyways? Kyler Murray did ridiculous things. I mean, look at the, the the touchdown drives here. You had just some ridiculous Kyler Murray scrambling around, hitting a guy in the back of the end zone after seven seconds, a, a number of plays like that. Now, typically with cornerbacks and with coverage in general, anything over four or five seconds of covering, and that is just too much to ask of any coverage. Nobody can cover that long. Akib Talib said so in the broadcast. You don't have to take my word for it. Ask anybody who has played defensive back at any level of football and ask them if they could cover one, two, three, four, five, and then schoolyard beyond that. And Kyler Murray would run around six, seven seconds. That's incredible. If you want to criticize something, criticize, uh, make the same criticism Mike Zimmer made at halftime, that the Vikings didn't do a good enough job containing Kyler Murray and they let him get outside of the pocket and run around on him way too often. Um, but I, I'm not too upset about the coverage, like letting those things happen. Now, there were a couple of things that we probably have to worry about um, when it comes to the defense, but I, I think I will take a performance where instead of the uh, the the bread and butter, the easy stuff killing you, you got killed by just the other guy making an incredible play. And I know that's like really unsatisfying. And sometimes you just have to say, look, we were prepared for their offense. It didn't work out. We just kind of have to continue to be prepared for their offense and hope he doesn't make another play like that. Kyler Murray played like an MVP in this game. And there are certain things that are just indefensible. And I know it sounds like that's excuse making and we don't like excuse making, but it's just the way it went down. You just can't do anything if the guy runs around for eight seconds. You cannot do anything as coverage. You can prevent him from running around for eight seconds. And I think that is a valid criticism of what the Vikings did in this game. Stephen Weatherly did a really poor job with contain. Um, I thought Dalvin Tomlinson did a poor job with contain, although uh, Tomlinson and Pierce and uh, Hunter especially. Daniel Hunter had an incredible game. Three sacks, excellent play in the run. Um, Michael Pierce is just an immovable force. I thought Dalvin Tomlinson did a pretty good job in the run game as well. Um, and Eric Hendricks and Nick Vigil got themselves involved as well. I, I thought there was, like, the, the, the routine, the bread and butter stuff was very good, and I thought the Vikings defense outplayed the Cardinals offense when it came to the simple stuff. But that just doesn't ring very true when you start talking about the Kyler Murray crazy plays. And Kyler Murray just outplayed everybody else on the field. He was just better than everybody else on the field because he's Kyler Murray, and he's having this insane year, and he might be in the MVP race. He probably should be right now, and maybe he'll stay that way. Um, I, I, I don't feel particularly critical of losing to that. Um, it just kind of seems like you got to tip your hat to Kyler Murray. He just made some incredible plays. Um, and there were some bright spots on the defense as well. And Nick Vigil's pick six was incredible. I thought Nick Vigil made a bunch of plays. He missed more plays than I think you probably caught. Uh, if you're thinking, wow, Nick Vigil, like I, I got a couple of questions in the middle of the game. Hey, is Nick Vigil an Anthony Barr replacement? I think he missed way too many plays to be an Anthony Barr replacement. But hey, linebacker three, I'll definitely take that. And, and as a backup, you know, pick six and a couple of pretty cool run stops. He missed a lot of tackles, though. Eric Hendricks missed one tackle that I saw. Um, Might have had more, but otherwise, he, you know, he was Eric Hendricks. And the back end I already kind of talked about just got hung out to dry by the defensive line, you know, not being able to contain Kyler Murray. 
Um, and they said they wouldn't play contain. They blitzed Kyler Murray a lot, which is another thing I asked for. I think that's the right call game plan wise is to blitz Kyler Murray a lot and kind of make him make plays under pressure. And he answered the call. And and that's just kind of how it goes. I think the right move is to say, hey, we're going to force you to be put in a situation where it's more likely that you're going to make a mistake. And then he makes the play anyways. I don't think that makes it wrong for you to have done the blitz. And that is a, a, a theme of this whole game. We have to make sure that whatever we're asking the Vikings to have done, we aren't asking it just because we know how it worked out. There's a lot of things, and we'll talk about the field goal and the, the end of the game scenario too, but even with the defense, it's really easy to say, well, maybe they shouldn't have been blitzing as much. But if Kyler Murray just sat in the pocket and diced up the Vikings all day because they didn't blitz, then you know you could probably say, well, hey, why didn't they blitz? Um, it's really easy to say, well, they shouldn't have blitzed because that way there would have been more coverage and to envision that working out, right? It's really easy to assume that that was the version of the non-blitzing scenario that worked out. And we were asking for that. But there's a version of blitzing that could have worked out too, where it, you know, got more pressure on Murray or got more sacks on Murray, or maybe they, you know, he didn't escape the pocket as much. Um, so I think it was more about the execution and not necessarily the call, which is another way of me defending Mike Zimmer. I think calling a blitz was right. His guys needed to contain better. And yeah, the buck stops with Mike Zimmer when guys make mistakes. Bashad Breland was horrible again. He got stiff-armed by the corpse of AJ Green and uh and he gave up, you know, another big catch to AJ Green on the sideline. Like it was really, really poor. But all in all, I'm not worried about the defense. I, I I'm worried about being 0-2 because of the history that 0-2 has. Like you can't get those wins back. But this is not this team doesn't feel 0-2 to me. And that's probably because they're, you know, a point differential of minus four. So I, I think overall, the way the roster is constructed, the way the team is playing, if I were in the room, I would not tell them to start changing everything and change course. I would head into the Seahawks game, you know, game plan them for however game plan for them, however you're going to game plan for them. I'm fine with that. And I don't necessarily think the Vikings need to go, you know, changing up a whole bunch of stuff. Um, I, I guess I probably more than most fans am willing to just accept that the guy across the field from you made a hell of a play. And sometimes you just have to shrug and tip your hat and move on and not try to over adjust to that. Um, so I support what Mike Zimmer did in this game. Um, I am left in awe of Kyler Murray. And I guess I, I don't think that losing to a performance like that is a particularly poor reflection. I think the dude just made a hell of a play. Give him credit where it's due. Uh, I, I want to talk about the end of the game, though, because that's another thing that people are going crazy on Mike Zimmer about. And I think, again, I'm going to kind of uh, defend him. Um, but first, let me talk to you about your car. If you're a do-it-yourself kind of person and you're looking for a place to get car parts, I want to talk to you about all the kicks and stuff uh, and the end game scenario and all that stuff, because that's another place where I'm going to defend Mike Zimmer a little bit. Uh, but first, let me talk to you about your car. Your car is very important, and you should definitely take care of it. If you're a do-it-yourself kind of person, if you want to save a buck, you know, instead of asking a mechanic to change your oil, they'll charge you like 80 bucks, you know, you can buy some motor oil for like 20 bucks and learn how to do it yourself with a YouTube video or whatever, and if you're looking for a place to get that motor oil or whatever it is, if you're, you know, a deeper, real car, you know, gearhead type of person, uh, and you want to get car parts, head on over to rockauto.com. It is an aggregator for car parts that lets you buy directly from the manufacturer instead of having to go to a retail joint, ask them if they have the part in stock. It'll be shipped in two to four weeks or whatever. Just go to Rock Auto and have it shipped directly to your door and save a buck too because you're cutting out that middleman. You can find that at rockauto.com. Just enter your car's make, year, and model and it'll sort through all of their gigantic catalog. It's a huge, crazy big catalog of car parts and they will sort it all out so you're getting something compatible with your car 
And at checkout, there's a how you heard about us section. And if you could just let them know that Locked On sent you, that would be great. Because if you don't, the bunnies are going to start committing cyber crimes. Rock Auto, amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. I also want to talk to you about your TV watching experience. You know, if you're watching a game, maybe you've got, you know, one device that's got the game streaming, one device that's got, you know, uh, highlights going, like maybe you're watching that on your phone. Maybe you've got something else for like watching all of the paid TV services and stuff. You got all these devices and logins and all this stuff, and it can get a little bit uh, bogged down. I want to introduce a new way of thinking about it called DirecTV Streams. DirecTV Stream, and it allows you to consolidate all of those services and get your TV together. Bring your live TV, your on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. Never need to buy another device. And the best part is there's no annual contract. So get rid of all that clutter, get rid of all that confusion, get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. So let me talk to you about the end of the game. So here's how the end of the game went down if you missed the game. Um, so the Vikings get the ball in a two minute drill down a point. They were down one point and conspicuously there was a missed extra point earlier in the game. So it's 33 to 34 would have been a tie game if Greg Joseph made his damn extra point, but he didn't. Alas, here we are. So they drive all the way down and Kirk Cousins does a really, really good job on this drive as he has been doing all day. They get all the way down, um, including a phenomenal third and 10 conversion on an out route to Adam Thielen, another really good conversion to KJ Osborne, which ends up setting up the Vikings for a 37 yard field field goal attempt uh the vikings have about 40 seconds left on the clock and one timeout remaining when kirk cousins or when kj osborne catches that pass they get up they get to the line they wait for the clock to go all the way down to like two seconds left and then they call their timeout they make the kick greg joseph pushes it wide vikings lose that's how the game ends unbelievably frustrating so there's a lot of stuff to talk about there but mainly it's the decision to let that clock wind down that I want to talk about. And I think, again, a lot of hindsight is going in this. For one, a lot of people are making the point that they wish the Vikings had gone for a touchdown, which makes no sense for me, to, to me. Um, the, the more common critique is that they should have pushed a little bit further and made the kick a little bit easier than a 37-yarder, uh, which I'll address as well, but the, the they should have gone for a touchdown is insane. As snake-bitten as the Vikings are with kickers, uh, and boy, howdy are they snake-bitten. <laughs> You can't say that the Vikings, that it would be easier to score a touchdown than it would to kick a 37-yarder. I mean, that kick, 37 is not a long kick. And I do not think it is unreasonable to consider a 37-yard kick as an automatic proposition. It is four yards longer than an extra point. And Mike Zimmer, after the game, he said that, you know, yeah, he had missed an extra point, but he made 250-plus yarders, so I felt confident in the kicker. And maybe that's a mistake because Greg Joseph had had such a difficult time. Um, but the er, in, in preseason and training camp and stuff, Greg Joseph had like a really, really bad summer. Good game last week, bad game this week. And it kind of feels like, eh, couldn't you have seen this coming? So maybe that's the mistake there. But I don't think the mistake of uh, like letting the clock run down is one that I'm like particularly bothered by. So here's the way that I see this. So when you're driving down for a, a last second field goal, um, and forget this particular game and this particular situation in the history of this game and stuff and forget the Vikings care. Just think like super, super generally. Um, you're driving down. Every additional play carries a risk. Uh, not only the risk of, you know, like fumbling, like what happened in week one, but the risk of a holding penalty, a sack, even just a, a two yard loss on a run play that didn't work or, you know, the worst stuff, a fumble, a turnover, a interception. Um, so you kind of have to choose the point at which you are no longer going to add additional risks to your drive. You just have to kind of pick a point. 
Um, so I ask the question, what is a reasonable cutoff point in general? Think about next time the Vikings are driving down for a last second field goal. They're about to play the Seahawks. That one's going to come down to the last two seconds. It always does. It's just a fact of nature. So when they're driving down for that last second field goal, what's the cutoff point? Should they move it? past 37 yards should they you know is under 40 good my guess is that they said yeah anything under 40 we're gonna say greg joseph should be able to make that and he said he thought it was automatic but zimmer did um the problem is missing a 37 yard kick like that is obviously the biggest and most improbable mistake here and quibbling over whether or not they should have attempted a 37 yard kick just feels a little silly to me you have to be able to treat a 37-yard kick as an automatic proposition. If 37 is outside of your field goal's automatic range, field goal kicker's automatic range, you do not have a field goal kicker. And maybe that's the take I come away with this, with is the Vikings do not have a kicker and they need a new one. Um, and they need to get rid of their guy and get, you know, get a real one in. Um, but I can see why, and I, I'm sympathetic to Zimmer saying, well, he made a couple 50-yarders, I felt okay about it. But you just can't coach a game if you can't trust a 37-yard kick. It'll make you make all sorts of bizarre clock decisions, um, and, and you just have to pick your spot and, and stick to it. And I, I I don't know, I think the spot of under 40 is a reasonable one, even though, they sure, they could have snuck in another play, but that play could have gone backwards two yards. Again, could have had a false start, a holding penalty, an illegal formation or something like that. There's all sorts of risks beyond, okay, yeah, the, the odds that Dalvin Cook fumbles again in that spot are pretty low. So you're not scared necessarily of a fumble. You're scared of the possibility of a fumble and or a penalty or a loss or a... Or a, or a um, and so I, I don't know, I, I think it's per perfectly reasonable to get to the range that you like, wind the clock down so Kyler Murray can't get the ball back and kick, but you got to just make the kick. It, it's an Occam's razor thing. The answer, the correct answer is the simplest one. And I think we get a little bit too hindsighty when we talk about these sorts of end game management situations. If Greg Joseph made that kick, there would not be a single person who went, man, he made the kick. That's pretty lucky. 37 was too long. I just don't think anybody would say that. I think they're only saying it because of the result. And so I have a little bit less patience for that. Um, and, and yeah, people who like wanted a touchdown is crazy to me. It is a one-point game. A, a field goal wins you the game. And people call that like, well, they weren't playing to win. They were playing not to lose. It's like, no, they were playing to win with a field goal that would win. They're not trying to tie the game. Like people talking about this, this decision, like kicking that field goal would have just tied it. Or... Like, it was a 53-yarder, and, and it was just super inexcusable to kick that kind of field goal. I, I don't think so. It's it's the highest probability thing that wins you the game. And at a certain point, adding more risky plays where every single thing that could go wrong absolutely screws you might not be the choice anymore. And, and I'm not talking, you know, a run play usually isn't risky, but in that situation... Any play is risky because you could get a pre-snap penalty, a thing the Vikings have kind of struggled with, and they had more false starts in this game. They had two more false starts in this one, um, and I think uh, a holding penalty. So, and look, we can argue over the line that they chose, and I think that's a, a perfectly reasonable thing to do and say, hey, you know, 37, yeah, it's only four yards more than an extra point, but I kind of wish they had made it a little more automatic than that. Maybe get it under 30 and make that the goal of your drive. And, and I'm more sympathetic to that, but the idea that, look, they got to where they wanted to get, a predetermined place, I think, on the field where they wanted to get to kick that field goal, they wound it down and then they kicked it. Um, I, I think that that's defensible process, even though the outcome was bad. What is not defensible is missing an extra point in a 37-yarder in a game where you lost by one. That is awful. So 
All in all, there are things in a game that you just cannot control. There's nothing you can do to prevent Matt Prater from being able to kick 62 yards. Now, you could probably have done a better job at the end of the half. Um, the, the Vikings at the end of the half, A, they squib kicked it, which I thought was a pretty poor decision. Um, it, with like 21 seconds left, I guess they didn't think that Kyler Murray would be able to get into field goal range. Maybe they didn't think that that was as big as field goal range is. Uh, it would not be the first time that Mike Zimmer lost a game because he underestimated M Matt Prater's field goal range specifically. <laughs> Um, so there was that, but at the end of the day, it's like, I don't know, they lined up for a 62 yarder and he made it. You just have to tip your hat at it. You know, you, you can't ask your corners to cover for six, seven, eight seconds while Kyler Murray runs around. You can ask your defensive lineman to stop that, but even that feels a little hollow. It's Kyler Murray. This is what he's going to do to you. Uh, there are just some things that are outside of your control. And the Vikings were supremely unlucky in those things. There was a touchdown drive that was enabled by a batted ball from Michael Pierce's hand going through the hands of Eric Kendricks up into the air and in stride, Max Williams, the tight end for the Cardinals, catches it and runs for 37 because nobody is covering that part because the ball wasn't supposed to be there. It's supremely unlucky. And the unlucky parts of this game felt so impactful that the parts of the game where the Vikings genuinely got beat feel watered down. And I know it's difficult to say about an 0-2 team, but I believe in this team way more this time than I did this time last week. Last week, I was worried about the team putting football together. This time, if they can play games like that, that level of play, that many mistakes, I think that can win enough games to pull them right back into this season. Um, I, I, I truly believe that. And I'm kind of echoing what Mike Zimmer said. He said a, a quote to the same effect, too. And I think he's right. And I still believe in it. So maybe I'm stupid for, for hanging on. Maybe you just want to turn the TV off and simulate the season uh, so you can get to the next draft season or whatever. And, and I guess I can't stop you from doing that. But if you're still with me, we got Twitter Tuesday coming tomorrow. So you can ask me whatever your, your burning heart desires. Well, I'll answer all your questions on the mailbag. Of course, we'll go into the tape a little deeper on Wednesday. And then Thursday, Friday, we will kick our sights over to the Seahawks. So uh, I will see you all then. In the meantime, check out the Locked On Bets podcast. They can help you get your gramble straight with your boy Q and Lee Sterling. I will see you all tomorrow. And as always, skull.